All right. Hello, hello, my friends. You are listening to the Bad Blonde Radio Show on News Talk KEYS, 1440 AM and 98.7 FM. And that is my co-host coming in with a cough right at the start of it. I got the COVID. I'm just happy you're on time. Last yeah, last show you showed up five minutes into the air. <laughs> what what is time really? What I'd say but a figment of our imaginations. Indeed, sir. Indeed, it is. I just it's not a figment of mine though. No, no, <laughs> no, no. It's not even. It's not even. It's not. It doesn't even have a, a part in your mind. So I was going to ask myself what a why I'm having a good day. No, yep. you. Oh, you can't just jump. I I, right. I got a. Why are you having a good day? What a beautiful, brisk Corpus oh, Christi morning it is. The weather is glorious. Not a sky, a cloud in the sky. It is glorious. And what a great segue for me to talk about the paws and claws of the Coastal Bend event we are having today. It literally could not be more perfect weather for an outdoor event. Which oh, it's going to rain tonight. No, it is not. Hail, rain. All right. I'm going to need snow. you to know. Interrupting me during my spiel. All okay, right. Sorry. Okay. So, Pausing Claws of the Coastal Bend. This is an organization that's been around for over 20 years. All right. This is a volunteer. Is that? It's a volunteer. Is that my cell phone or your cell phone? Uh, it is a volunteer organization. All right. And we have been raising money for our local animal rescues. And it's kind of a big deal. And today we are having our furball event. And I want to thank our members, our sponsors and our guests, because this is gonna be pretty darn special. And I wanna thank the venue, the venue at Inspiration Park on Ocean Drive. It is glorious, it is so pretty. Now guys, you might not be able to make it to the event, and that's okay, we're gonna miss you, promise. But you can donate to the cause at www.pawsandclawsccx.org. All right, now all of the proceeds of this year's fundraising efforts are going to Pee Wee's Sanctuary, Forever United Rescue and Shelter a Mutt. And these are our real, like, these are our, you know, boots on the ground, grassroots rescues that are just making a huge difference in the coastal bend. And what do they rescue, Caitlin? Just about everything. Mostly cats and dogs are strays. Yeah, I think they also, there's been some instances of bunnies. I mean, anything that kind of gets out needs some help for the most yeah. part. So if you're not familiar with all the names Caitlin was spouting, they're, they're so familiar in my brain. <laughs> they are, but for some people, they not, yeah. may not be. And they're all animal rescues oh, yeah. and, and adoption agencies and trying to help strays and everything yeah. find a forever home or whatever. Absolutely. I'd say Pee Wee's is definitely at the forefront of uh, offering veterinarian services to like small every, dogs. So, it, well, right? no, every dog. <laughs> no, I thought they only wanted small. Ones. No, I don't know where you got that. Every dog. And this is also where a lot of the rescues can afford to go and take like, if, you know, we, any strays that get picked off the street, they usually are getting going to peewees and getting fixed through their spay and neuter programs and microchips. Forever United is makes a big impact in in Corpus Christi. What they do is they take the strays, they pull from animal control, the, the dogs that are only ha are on their last days before euthanasia, they pull from there and they transport them up to um, the Northwest. So I'm talking like Portland, I'm yeah, mainly Portland, Washington, Oregon, and Shelter a Mutt are the guys that if you see, if you see a dog in like terrible neglect on the side of the road, Shelter a Mutt, you can call them and they will go out there with their traps and they will get those dogs and then start offering medical services. So 
it's kind of a big deal. And clearly it is something that I am passionate about. That's good. It's something, I know. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm. We raise, you know, I've, it's all about the animals. I've raised always. plenty of animals. Yeah, you really have. Uh, and yeah, I'm passionate about that too. It's a good, it's a good cause. Y'all make a, raise a lot of money. We for really them do. All. Yeah. Uh, it's a good time also. Uh, yep. And I will stop talking about it, but just to cap, if you want to donate, www.pawsandclawsctx.org. That's right. And Corpus now, Christi does, we have a lot. We, oh, we, we have, have a problem. A, yeah, there's a genuine a problem. A problem with, with animals not getting uh, spayed or neutered. Yeah, that's, that is, that. if you're talking about the, uh, what comes first, the chicken or the egg, uh, in this case, it is the... <laughs> we need a Bob Barker. Yeah, we need a Bob. Oh my God, we do need a Bob Barker. Now, on a separate note, since we're talking about events, the Coastal A's and Rods are having their annual holiday toy drive. Is it the first annual? Because I could have sworn they've done it before. It's going to be at the at Annapolis Christian Academy on December the 4th. I'm hoping to have the gentlemen, Bill and uh, John, on the show prior so we can talk all about it. It's pretty awesome. The entry fee is only 30 bucks, and, or... You can bring some unwrapped n- new toys if you'd like. So that's it's going to be great. We're also going to be, I haven't talked to Doug or Rodney about it, but I'm hoping we can do a live radio show at the event. How about nice. that? That would be sweet. Yes, I know. I know. All right. Now, Chad, what are we going to be talking about today? <clears throat> I think, oh, you know, on the way here, I have no, to say the one thing. No. One thing. No, we're not digressing, There sir. is a certain radio station. What? That is already playing Christmas music. Yeah, I've already been listening to it and enjoying <laughs> no, it. We, we don't have a problem with you that. You cannot do that two months before Christmas. Please. That's all I'm saying. For the love of humanity. Are you in are you and Ruth already text messaging back and forth on our, yeah, on we our have, live text? Me and Ruth have a thing. <laughs> you are terrible. <laughs> All right, guys, if you want to like call in or send any, we love text messages. Clearly, they distract me on air. If you want to, Chad, what is the phone number? You can't read it off. It's 882-5397. It's, you're shameless. With 361. It's, and you may need to type in 361. Literally, it's your one job. Like, this is your one job. So here's something interesting also I'm going to point <laughs> Aiden, out. Aiden, it's his one job. Let me point out something real quick. So on my phone, I've been I've been making calls to certain numbers or whatever that I don't have saved in my contact list. And I noticed that all of a sudden, my phone started asking me to put in an area code to call these numbers. Have you noticed that? Yeah. Have you? Yeah, I have noticed okay, that. Okay, and I was it's like, well, why is my phone making me put this area code in? All of a sudden, this is... What's going on? So I Googled it. What is it? What and it's a, in the, the National Suicide Prevention Line now has a three-digit number you dial, and it takes you to their line or something. And for certain area codes, it has now made you dial those area codes in. And we're one of those. How interesting. Yeah. And I was I like, did not know that. Yeah, I was perplexed. There's probably two or three listeners that are like, that's why this is Did, happening. I know. It's like, <laughs> why? I've always called this number, and now it's like, you must dial an area You're code. Like, Wait a minute. I, like, I kind of automatically here? do area codes within Corpus, but. I never did. I get a lot of. that's the reason is the National yeah. Suicide Prevention Line has a three-digit number. I don't remember what it was. I probably should have prepared for is that one. Is this a call one. for help, Chad? No, I'm sorry. <laughs> but it would have been nice to have the number on hand. But It would have been. I know. Uh, I agree. 
that's why, and apparently for different states that have these weird area codes, they now you have to dial an area code. Let's consider this a PSA for our listeners. The there more you, you know, the more you know. Now on to, because this is, after all, this is an automotive-centric car show. Yep. Yeah, Let's centerize show. back to let's the get automotive. Ba- I know, let's get right back to that. Now, what we're going to be talking about is one of the 20th century's most influential car. One of the smallest cars, too. Not the smallest, but let's group it in, like, top 10 smallest production cars. All right? It was produced for, let's say, what was it? 41 years, I 41 think. 41 whole With years. With the original design. Not, yeah. I think it's still going. I don't know if they include that. Yeah. But the original Mini was made same. Wait, wait. We hadn't given it away yet. Oh. We were, we were building up. It's okay. Now we can. Can you, can you rewind that, Aiden? <laughs> yeah, Aiden, could you just cut out the part where we said the car already? Because we were trying to keep it. We we're just trying to keep it a secret for a second. I'm just kidding. We are talking about the Mini. Chad, what is your fav- what do you think your favorite thing about the Mini is? Before we dive into the history, because I feel like everybody has, I mean, it's probably the drive. I love the handling. Yeah, it's seriously. Uh, the, the car feels really good driving. Oh, the originals. Yeah, no. The, uh, the newer ones. Two, also to a degree, I guess, but there's something about the original ones. Wait, that it yeah. feels like somebody put you in that car with, with a shoehorn. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> yeah, that is a hundred percent correct. Although they're super roomy. Yeah, which is funny too. Oh, yeah. Like a six foot four or five person could get in that 100%. car. hundred percent easy, but they just the way they feel. There's certain cars that just have a, a real. Uh, I don't even know the word I'm looking for, but Done you feel perfectly. like you're part of the car. If anybody owns a vintage mini. Text us about it at 882-5397. Because honestly, that's what I was going to say. The dri- I remember one of the funnest drives. For some reason, my dad let me go out in his vintage Mini when I was 17 or so. 17 or 18. Yeah, thank you, Dad, if you're listening. I appreciate that. And I just like ripped that all around Ocean Drive. It was ridiculous. I was like, this has got to be the one of the funnest cars I've ever driven. And it is. Like Chad said, it just feels like it's basically you... On top of an engine on speed, like moving around, just it and is just there's certain cars that are not super fast, yeah. Which this one is, they're not super fast, yeah, but the exactly. they feel so quick, yeah. And like, it you just feel so, so part of it that it's a it's an experience in itself, you it's, know. What you know, what it fits, it fins, fits under the Jinba Itai motto, which was I don't even know what that is. I'm gonna, I know, I'm, I'm nerding out with Carfax. Now, when the Miata was being designed, Mazda was like, this is our our mantra, our motto. And Jinba Tai, what that means is horse and rider is one. It's pretty, I mean, like, it's got to be one of my most favorite quotes that I, of in a different language that I know. Well, and if you're trying to design a car, that, that really is what you want is uh, the driver to, to experience everything the car has to offer. Which newer vehicles almost seem to block that from you. That's their yeah. Their goal is to take away the experience. Yeah, or become completely autonomous. Oh, Aiden's giving me the old wrap-up signal. I'm surprised because he was playing the air guitar. I really didn't think he was paying attention to the radio show. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. All right, guys, y'all stay tuned. We are just getting started talking about one of the 20th century's most influential automotives, the Mini. Stay tuned to the Bad Blonde Radio Show.
Hello, hello, my friends. You are back listening to the Bad Blonde Radio Show on News Talk KEYS, 1440 AM and 98.7 FM, Corpus Christi, Texas. Oh, got all that out in one whole breath. Holy moly, kind of proud of myself. Guys. And if you'd like to get in on the conversation, why don't you give us a text or call? Good job. 882-5397. Chad and I had a very serious talk about him taking his duties more seriously as a co-host, and here it is. Good job. She threatened to fire me. I threatened to quit. (laughs) Yeah. We came to a a log jam, and (laughs) we worked it out. Yes. Resolution. Indeed, indeed. Oh, guys, what we've been talking about is one of my favorite cars. And Chad and I were just kind of reminiscing about our personal favorite memories about the Mini. All right. And let's talk about now the origins. Okay. Where did this car come from? A car that was second most influential vehicle of the 20th century. Like, that's a very big deal. That's a big accreditation right there. It's right? a big deal for a small car. It is a yes, indeed, indeed. Now, I love the origins of the Mini. Chad, you're going to love this too, okay? I just This is something I always say. Like, if I, I ever end up doing, like, a car video on a Mini, a Messerschmitt, or an Isetta, this is a fact that I always put on the Bad Blonde YouTube, okay? Now, way back when, when Sir Leonard Lord was in charge of BMC... He noticed after World War II that he was seeing a little too many of the German bubble cars, the post-World War II German bubble cars, which the Isetta, the Messerschmitt, a few, the Hinkelkabine. And he absolutely, positively loathed them. Leonard Lord did not like German bubble cars. Leonard Lord loathed. Leonard Lord loathed the bubble cars. He really did. He hated them so much that he said, you know what? We're going to put an end to this. And he employed the very talented, talented Sir Alec Isigonas. Say Isigonas five times fast. See how you do on it, guys. It's not easy. It's a, it's a word you're going to have to practice. So Sir Alec Isigonis had a background, all right? Now, he had first been working on the Morris Minor. If you know what I'm talking about, it's freaking precious, and I kind of lose I lose my marbles when I see one in real life. I'm like, ah! And the folks that own it are like, why do you even know about this car? You know, because it's, it's not... It's, it's minor. Yeah, it's not, it's not a supercar. So I don't think they're used to girls going ape for their Morris Minor, right? Now, Sir Alec Isagonas was working on that prior. So he kind of had, and it's a, you know, it's, it's a smaller kind of car. So he already had a little bit of experience there. So Leonard Lord says to Alec Isagonas, I need a car of very specific dimensions, okay? We need a small car with good handling and... We need to be able to fit four folks in there comfortably. And that's what those were the directions that he got. And out of those directions, we ended up with a car that was in production over 41 years. The original and, design. Yeah, the original design. And Which is most influential. The best. The longest running car for the, the same design period. Now, the back seats may be good for children. <laughs> uh, there wasn't the most roomy in the rear, but the front surprisingly oh, roomy very so roomy you want to ex- you want to you want to explain how they did that 
What they did was make it really roomy. Yes, yes. So what he did was um, he, what is it, transverse? Oh, he did a transverse axle. Yeah. Four-cylinder front-wheel drive car. Yeah. Which uh, which was the first. That was the first that anybody had done that, I believe. I'm not positive on I'm, that. I'm pretty darn sure but that that was groundbreaking for him. That's a very uh, good space-saving design as you don't have a, a drive shaft running through a tunnel or anything taking exactly. up space. Yeah. And they are super roomy. Yeah. They also... Uh, the designer um, put the little side pockets were made so he could fit his gin bottle in there. I know. And uh, what a gin and what did he do? Darn it, it Chad. That Spitzer. was my favorite fact that uh. I wanted to share. Yeah, he liked a gin martini. And he made those pockets specifically to fit his, and I well, I can't remember the name of the gin because he had a preference on brand, but specifically to fit his martini makings. And, and that's why he's a class at Sir Alec Isagonis, the, a class the originals and a gentleman. had no radio, but they had an enormous ashtray because he was also enjoyed smoking. Mighty British, mighty British. So the the initial, the uh, you know the 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 measurements that Leonard Lord, head of BMC, gave Alec Isagonis was ten by four by four. He's like, here you go. Just basically make anything within this box to fit four passengers, and have at it. And so he was lucky because really, um, Sir Alec Isagonis, he was a gentleman, an artist, an engineer. He was also unfailingly well-spoken. Like I think about a year or two ago, I made a video on a mini and I just kind of went down, I went down the rabbit hole of research on Alec Isagonis, kind of watched some of his, there's not a, there, I mean, there's a fair amount of uh, film with him speaking on there and he just has that classic, classic London vibe to him and I love it. So, as I already said, Isagonis took part in the creation of the Morris Minor. If you're by a computer right now, Google the Morris Minor. It's precious. It looks like a car that maybe Mickey Mouse should have driven. You know what I mean? It was a successful vehicle. The Morris Minor was successful, but it really did not, uh, you know, not at all gain her the uh, notoriety as the Mini. Okay? So, let's continue on, shall we? Did you know that so one of the early, like if I'm at a car show, one of the easy ways for me to figure out if it's kind of one of those early generations that if you see the hinges, the, on Out, the yeah. exterior hinges, uh, yeah, the hinges on the exterior, that's key. Mm -hmm. And then, but also what I'm, I don't remember what, what exact years those were, but it's okay. That's kind of car evolution. Uh, yeah. The earlier ones. I would say are not as good looking as the later ones, just because I think oh. they, they, they made them look a little tougher. Yeah. Um, the early ones kind of just were real, I guess, utilitarian looking, yes. if you could say. I would agree. And they kind of <clears throat> messed with the design as they went on and got them looking a lot sleeker, um, tougher. Tougher. They looked, they Sleek were, for such tough. a little car, it looks tough. You Dude, know? It, it actually does look tough. Not gonna lie, certain, show. certain cars that just have yeah the toughness and they do, they do. Okay, so we kind of already touched on it, but when designing the engine, Isagonis decided in order to save space, he would have fixed the engine transversely and make the car front wheel drive, which immediately gave the car some immense handling and uh, obviously and consequently passenger space. Now Isagonis would also improve space by putting the transmission below the engine. Right? So Mini also used a very unique 
the suspension's kind of neat. So they used a unique space-saving rubber cones. Kind of rubber. I know you're all like, what the heck is that? Yeah, I too, when I read that space-saving rubber cones, I don't think that was in every generation. But get this. They really put the Mini together in a rush. Isagonis and his team put the Mini together within two years of uh, Leonard Lord asking him to make this tiny car that will battle the German bubble cars. Not bad, Isagoni. Not bad. No, no. He's t- oh, I feel a sneeze coming on. Do it. I know. I, well, as soon as you mention a sneeze out loud, it completely goes away. Early Minis also had only sliding side windows. Yeah, you're right. You're right about that. To uh, save on weight and even even door spacing. All of it. be able to allow for either a window motor or a window regulator and hand crank and everything. Makes the car a lot lighter. Kind of cool. Yeah, pretty awesome. All right, guys, stay tuned. We're going to take a little break. Stay tuned to the Bad Blonde Radio Show. All right. Hello, hello, my friends. You're back listening to the Bad Blonde Radio Show on News Talk KEYS, 1440 AM and 98.7 FM, Corpus Christi, Texas. And we are rocking and rolling. We've been talking all about the history of the mini, but I need to interrupt this programming for a little bit of a PSA. We are having the Paws and Claws Fur Ball tonight, guys. We raise money for our local grassroots animal shelters and rescues. That's Pee Wee's, Forever United Rescue, and Shelter a Mutt. So uh, my sister, myself, and uh, one of our high school friends are chairing it this year, and we've just had one heck of a good time planning it, and it really does feel good to plan something that is a total good cause. You might not be able to attend the event, but if you would like to donate, you can check out www.pawsandclawsccts.org. Hit that donate button. Every small amount counts for the puppies and the kitties. Now, also, yesterday, I picked up a silent auction item or two from 1440 Keys. And a big thank you to Rodney for getting those together because they're pretty rad. And they're going to help out Paws and Claws a lot. But I wandered into the open warehouse area that... I forget all the time that is here at 1440 Keys. And I saw like 160 kids bikes. Wow. I know. I know. They're already like rocking and rolling for the uh, bikes for kids. And uh, I can't wait for them to give me a little more information so I can share it with everybody. But they're they're doing it. Yeah, they've been doing that for a while. Yeah, I think it's nine years or so. If you're interested in helping out. Yeah, if you're interested in helping out, check out 1440keys.com. Okay, should we get back to the mini? The mini Cooper. The mini. Guys, if you're just now tuning in to, we're talking about the mini, okay? The mighty mini. A mighty, small but mighty mini. It was voted second most influential car of the 20th century. It was also technically, uh, its, its genesis was out of spite because the head of BMC hated seeing post-World War II German bubble cars driving around the UK, and he said, heck no. Now, also, I will say this, not just spite, but also the fact that there was a, in 1956, there was a Suez crisis, oil crisis. That played a part. <clears throat> People were start were like, hey, whoa, we need small cars. We don't have a lot of oil going on. That was in 1956. And uh, 
Leonard Lord, head of BMC, gave the directions to Alec Isagonas, who is the main designer for the Mini. He said, "Guy, hey, I want a car by ten, by four, by four dimensions. When you think about four feet, guys, like when you think about the original, how tiny the original Mini was, four feet wide, so tiny. So it wasn't. It's not designed for the current American populace." <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 it's not. It's not. I'm just saying. No. So Alec Isagonis gets about, gets to work, and within two years, in 1959, the mini hits, comes off the production line. Now, Chad and I already mentioned how the engine, to save space, the engine was uh, tra put transversely. And what was it? The transmission right underneath the engine. So like, it was like, how come it was, they played like a game of Tetris. How can we fit all the necessary components? It's a very tight fit. Tight, but they great handling. A, they did a good job. Yeah. Front wheel drive, all of that. So now it, you know, really, so it's funny to think about this. So BMC made the mini primarily for a small compact car that would be easy on gas, et cetera. Well, imagine for them, it was a great surprise when the Mini's abilities, it, Mini proved itself with its abilities at many international rally races. Like they're just like, let's put this together. It's gonna be an economy car. They're like, oh crap. We did not know that we were gonna have a international success at rally races with this thing. They got a following yeah. and they handled really well. So. Uh race car drivers drivers oh yeah when they find a car they're like hey i hey, think we got something here this is good and that's how you start getting you know your cooper works and yeah and all of that starts taking off as those guys take notice yeah that we got something to work with uh on, got, on this car and then they start making them even you yeah know, we got better. something special yeah we got something special so but the mini would take first in 1964, 1965, and 1967, Monte Carlo rally races. And technically, this is funny. Um, I remember reading about this a while ago. Technically, in 1966, they should have won as well. However, they were disqualified due to a controversial headlight decision made by judges. Ugh. I, I think they kind of got robbed on that, if I remember the, the whole storyline of that. And this would, like Chad said, this really would be kind of the start of um, John, the legendary John Cooper getting in to the Mini, and there you have the Mini Cooper. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Soon becoming a major figure within the Mini racing team. That John Cooper, him and his dad, had a, little, had a good thing going on. Now, with over 3.5 million sold, the Mini turned out to be what? Big. Brit yeah, Britain's best-selling car ever. Like, ever, ever. Actually, I was just reading that it's their total sales number was 5 million something. Did just, I get my numbers wrong? I don't know. I could. I mean, I wouldn't put it. I would 5,387,000 cars. Hot diggity dog. And really, it garnered a ton of international awards. Like and international attention. Yeah. Um, actually, the last Mini Clubman that was, uh, or Mini Cooper, built in the classic style, was purchased by Kevin Spacey for $130,000. That guy? That guy? And then he immediately drove it around and sexually harassed a bunch of dudes. <laughs> I don't know about the sexually <laughs> harassment part, but the... 
Kevin Spacey purchasing part is true. Yeah. I'm thinking the sexual harassment part is probably also true. I just added that. It seems likely. For effect. Yeah, it is good. I mean, it's okay. You can say that. We're on 1440 Keys. I don't think anybody listens to us anyways. (laughs) Yes, they do. Maybe, maybe. So, you know, okay, like I said, second most influential car of the 20th century. Who do you think was the first? This is a is kind of like an it's easy bull, one. I'd say the Beetle. So you're you're I mean like so you got you nailed it in in a way. The Beetle is part of the top five. It goes Ford Model T, and then it goes Mini Cooper, and then it goes the Citroen, and then it's the VW. Mm. But is it fair? Well, I guess it is fair. I was gonna say, is it fair that the VW is in there because the VW did steal a lot of its designs were not of its own and was they were cleverly borrowed by fellow automotive manufacturers so but i'm sure it's but i mean like i think when that to me the model t was only influential in its build yeah i would agree uh in the manufacturing process the the car was lackluster not a not a great product really when you look at it there was better stuff going on but i guess i think ford's biggest thing was the uh, mass production and everything, yeah. oh, the exactly. assembly line and doing that. Yeah. So I can see that, I guess, but as a vehicle, yeah, I don't see it as I, that influential. Yeah, and I feel like probably when they created this list, it was not just you know what I mean. Like, uh, although I can also see where the, what they said was, yeah, this they got the Model T into all like the poor man's hands. Yeah, exactly. So, so I, so I guess maybe that's what yeah, they're talking about. I too. I feel like the con- what goes into dictates most influential is a variety of not only technology but also like human humanity uh etc because it's also a very uh uh, subjective yes subjective word so yeah well you know because when like you said the model t was actually was was extremely influential in that it gave the taste of automotives to the poor man to every man really it became everybody could afford one yeah automotives became attainable at that time period so i totally get that part i do it's interesting it is interesting like i'd be you know i'd like to go through the whole list i really only paid attention to the top five which were the model t the mini a citroen i think it was a ds and then the volkswagen i know i know interesting citroen got in there yeah it didn't John Lennon have like a special Mini Cooper. No, uh, the John Lennon works. Are you making that up? Yeah. yeah. Stop know. it! I'm very gullible, sir. None of that. None of that. So you know what? I will allow myself to digress a little bit, but still maintain that we're talking on the Mini topic by talking about the Moke guys. Now, the Mini Moke, if you're listening, you might know what it is because it has a cult following. If you don't and you're by your phone or a computer, go ahead and just Google Mini Moke and you're going to be like, oh my God, that is adorable. That is adorable. Um, Oh, that's so nice. Thank you, Annie. Annie said, yes, you have lots of listeners. You two are hilarious. Great show. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much. That does mean a lot. I appreciate that. Bill Schwinn said, I heard that. L-O-L. Oh, I'm not sure what LOL means. (laughs) Laugh out loud. All right. So the Mini Moke is pretty cool. Now, around the time of the Mini Moke, um, Mini, Mini, let's say BMC, wanted to get 
their hands and a little bit of military money, which you can't blame them. A lot of people were doing that at the time. And what they did was they created what they thought, what they, I mean, it was a bust. This was a total, the Mini Coop Moke for the, the use it was intended was a complete bust. But they created the Moke out of like 95, 90% parts of the Mini Cooper. <clears throat> it's basically, um, it's basically a Mini but they just kind of like made it look a little more rugged. Utilitarized. Yeah, they ut utilitarized it. They utilitarianized it. Indeed, yeah. they did. And it probably is a small troop carrier. Nah, the clearance. So, because I, I did uh, a little yeah, video it, on the history, and it, the clearance really was like no, all the military, uh, you know, spending decisionaires were like, uh, no, we can't do this. Now, it did actually have one grain of success. And that was on naval carriers, which are just, it's just like dry. It's they're basically were like souped up go, go karts or golf carts on oh, a naval carrier. And that was it. But where they ended up uh, unexpectedly flourishing was on resorts, like island resorts. Yeah. You know what I mean? We had a, we have a customer who was buying some from Australia. Yeah. And, uh, selling them in port aransas they're freaking adorable like they're cool they're faster than the golf carts they're, they're a lot more so fun cool. everybody looks at you yeah they're so cool well there was a guy that came aiden and your satan's give me the old wrap-up signal and it's distracting me all right guys we are going to take a little break when we come back we'll finish talking about mini moke and the mini and we'll have some more fun All right. Hello, my friends. You are back listening to the Bad Blonde Radio Show on News Talk KEYS, 1440 AM, 98.7 FM, Corpus Christi, Texas. I almost just take a longer time to get back on the radio because I love Paint It Black. It's a good song. We can only play about five seconds of it before yeah. <laughs> we have to, they get in trouble and have to pay royalties. <clears throat> yeah, we avoid that. Faux show, that's for sure. Now, <clears throat> if you're just now tuning in, my friends, we have been talking all about the mini. And now some of you might be like, huh, the mini? And you might only be associating with the later models that you know you see out there currently. But really, like when Chad and I are talking about, our heart is talking about the vintage mini. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Number one. <laughs> and how it all started was purely major, majorly out of spite. The gentleman that was running BMC at the time saw a ton of post-World War II German bubble cars running around the UK, and he was like, why in the heck are we having to see these things? For one, he hated them. For two, obviously, there was a market there that he needed to tap into. All right, then you'd have the Suez crisis. Oil was getting tough to get, and he decided that they were going to make a very small, compact car that could fit four people that would be very... You know what? The, the thing is, is when, when Leonard Lord sent those dimensions, which are 10 by 4 by 4, he sent that and he said, try and make it for, for, for you know comfortable for four people. But he had no idea that Isagonis was going to do such a tremendous job. And tremendous job Isagonis did. He sure did. He I'm just going to start repeating what you say, but say it a little differently. Okay, well, yeah. Um, is that new? Is uh, there anything new to that? Is that <laughs> is that, that new? 
Oh, you got me on that one. No, he did a really good job. And of the German bubble cars also, while I love them, yeah, they don't have oh. the the look, the toughness, the or the, the mini performance, yeah. man. Yeah, yeah, the performance and everything. They look kind of quirky, cool, neat cars. But they look the, like all the German bubble cars look like something that a kid drew. Yeah, they're real quirky and and they're cool. I love them. I love them too. But the mini just has that. It, it looks a lot tougher. It performed a lot better. Handling and, the drive experience, yeah. you know, like uh, room. <laughs> yeah, like I mean, it is spacious. Well, like, I said it was cool and all. You do climb out of the hood. Yeah, you do. You, <laughs> so, if you're lucky, you if know? you're lucky, if you're not in a front end wreck. Yeah. Then you gotta, uh, so they you gotta did a pop out of there like a popcorn out of the sunroof. They did a, a good job taking on the German bubble cars. And oh. they, they squashed, they popped <laughs> that bubble, huh? They sure did. <laughs> okay, that wasn't funny. <laughs> now, the thing is, is we discussed this, you know, like BMC was like, yeah, we're going to make this compact car. They didn't know that they were also basic, kind of like, creating a bit of a cultural little revolution there because there was like oh fun fact did is- you know how the mini skirt was started no Off what is the it mini really I swear to god we'll explain more to that well let me try to find where i read it. <laughs> <laughs> oh mary quant who's that paved the way for the mini skirt huge trend in the fashion industry she took the name from the mini cooper Ah. And her first skirt she would wear sitting on top of Mini Coopers. Oh my God, that's fabulous. Yeah. Mini I want skirt. that poster. That sounds cool as heck. Yeah, like I, you know, I love it when there's like, it's like, oh, we didn't know we were going to cause such a wave because really, it, like, the, the Mini became a part of a cultural revolution, whether it intended to or not. And also, it was accidentally, you know, they didn't intend on it to be a major rally race success. I think a lot of that, I mean, the rally race, I don't think they foresaw that either. But no. I don't think you can foresee cultural. No. Yeah. Uh, just to be a- influence or whatever that your product yeah. becomes or the icon it becomes. No, I guarantee you, Leonard Lord, when he put, when he was like, let's make this car, Although he it was, was all like, about tapping it into a market segment. He was like, I'm going to put these little pockets here. So my gin. Yeah. And, uh, Whatever they mix gin with. What's that stuff? Yeah. So Alec Isagones was knighted at some point in time. So he's Sir Alec Isagones. And he was just like a class act gentleman. Okay. And when he was designing it, he was basically like, I'm going to put the the side pockets. I'm going to make these just big enough to hold my favorite gin and my other necessary materials to make a gin martini because that was his thing. He liked gin martinis and making very economical cars. Now back to what we were talking about with the rally races, they had no idea that they were gonna be such a success. They literally won the 64, 65, and 67 Monte Carlo races. Like, I would love that. What was, what else was I, I feel like we were talking recently about something that ended up being like, they did not know that it was gonna be what it was after they created it, but I can't remember. Bitcoin. No, no, we're not even talking about that at all. Shiba uh, 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 Inu. Uh, uh. <laughs> oh, you know what? We, you know, when we left break, we were talking about the Mini Moke, and we can finish talking about that. So, guys, the Mini Moke was is like ninety percent of the same parts as the Mini Cooper. 
All right. Basically, BMC was like, let's try and get the military to buy some of these things. They didn't. But what happened was it became like a super, super duper, like, um, what is it called? What's the term when you get a cult classic? Yes, that is what I was looking for. It's a cult classic. Like, uh, there was a gentleman that came down from North Carolina that had been trying to get two of our, our, our mokes. And he like took off the side panels. Apparently there's one area that's more prone to rust. He took off the side panels. He was getting underneath there. Yeah, they were they were a very sought after vehicle. Yeah. And they weren't uh, produced in mass numbers, at least the Mokes. Yeah. Even the the Mini Cooper originals are going Oh yeah. Insane right now. For sure, for sure. So the funny thing about the Moke, like in that same genre would be the uh Citroen Mahari. And the VW thing, those were all kind of like in that, like, let's try and make this kind of utilitarian option that we can get some military funding from. Yeah, the thing was a very interesting the car. The thing I've was always, a very interesting thing. I always liked them, but really it was just a beetle that they made look weird. Yeah, they just made it look <laughs> a little odd and boxy, that's yeah, for sure. But I don't know, even the Moke seems a lot more utilitarian to me. And I have pictures. They had their advertising of four British dudes, you know, or Australian grabbing one in the moke. Yeah, one one corner each oh. and picking it up so they could cross <laughs> over those parts that they couldn't drive over. That is so ironic. Yeah, because they were light. I mean, it's a lightweight well, vehicle, but yeah, is, they, it did not have great ground ground clearance. So. I'm dying. I'm gonna have to Google that and find that because the irony of that is that. That that is that right there is an advertisement on why they were unsuccessful because it was like no ground clearance, like you could step over things much easier than the moke could get over it. And <laughs> so for them, you know, can you imagine BMC going and then like, look at this moke, this is going to be good for your rugged military expeditions? And they're like, look at our advertisement slogan: it's us picking the moke up over this little molehill. <laughs> They're showing how lightweight it is. Yeah, but they accidentally showed that they cannot get over things, in my opinion. And it probably wasn't, but, I mean, look at what we're producing with the Hummer. Yeah. Uh, That thing basically almost fits four people, some, like, six. Huge and uh, horrible troop carrier. Barely gets over the Academy parking lot curb? No, they have good ground clearance. I'll give them that, but... To, as a troop transporter, you'd think that you would fit more than four to six people pretty easily, you know? So, yeah. Design fail. Give me a mini. Oh, give me give me a vintage mini. Uh, give me a mini, mini moat. Four strong, able bodied, or three. Did we'll carry her over the bumps. Where, where, where did our father go fly into and then bring back the, the vintage Mini Cooper? Virginia. Yeah, that is not like literally cross country in the Cooper, which uh, it's comfortable. You have so much space in there. It's still a little bit it. bumpy, but I mean, nobody's gonna see you like yeah. this day and age. Nobody are... is gonna see you driving a Cooper. You are like, it's kind of yeah. like same size, you know, like same height as like a recumbent bicycle. For goodness' sake, you're <laughs> you're bumper level. You are bumper level. All right, guys, time flies when you're talking about cars. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you here every Saturday at 10 a.m. Unless the Longhorns are playing in the morning, then we'll be watching them.